Back in the day when my girls were born, it was not easy to share photos and videos with loved ones, but you have a fantastic option available, the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created in 2015 and has operated in the long term to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes. Now, let me share some of the great features that make the Family Album app a go-to app. First off, the app automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and see how your child has grown. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching through folders. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. It's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document each month of your baby's life. Plus, the Family Album app has unlimited storage and it is totally free. Yes, you heard that right. No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by ads when you're just trying to relive those heartwarming moments. So if you are still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, it is time to level up your family photo game with a free photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, it's all one word, download the app and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. Well, hello there, Dr. Nicole here. I am thrilled to share something incredible with you today. Imagine having a treasure trove of informative, entertaining, and empowering video content about the journey to parenthood right at your fingertips. That's exactly what you get with Informed Pregnancy Plus. For less than 25 cents a day, you'll gain access to a vast subscription library filled with documentary films, web series, mind and body fitness programs, workshops, and courses covering fertility to parenting and everything in between. A few of my favorite titles are The Business of Being Born, Empowered Mama, Belly Dance for Birth, Ease into Sleep, The Afterbirth Plan, and The Core Connection. And here's the best part. For a limited time, you can gain full access absolutely free. Just visit informedpregnancy.tv to sign up. Get Informed Pregnancy Plus right now for your informed and empowered parenting journey, all from the comfort of your home. Visit informedpregnancy.tv. Again, that's informedpregnancy.tv. This is a wonderful birth story episode of a triumphant VBAC. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OBGYN who's been in practice for nearly 15 years. I've had the privilege of helping over 1,000 babies into this world, and I'm here to help you be calm, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice. Check out the full disclaimer at drnicolerankins.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 225. Whether you are a new listener or a returning listener, I'm so glad you're spending some time with me today. In today's episode, we have Meg. Meg is a mother of two, a daughter and a son, and she feels lucky to stay at home with them while also working part-time as a naptime warrior. After giving birth to her first child via a scheduled cesarean due to breach position, Meg hoped, prayed, and prepared for a VBAC the second time around. And VBAC is vaginal birth after cesarean. Now, after her water broke, a delayed start to labor, a few necessary interventions, and then advocating against more interventions, Meg's body kicked into gear and her birth story ends in a surprise water birth VBAC. Yes, you're going to hear all about that today. 
Meg's goal in sharing her story is to encourage you to banish any fear that you may feel from past experiences. She wants to encourage folks to speak up for yourself and then dare to hope for a feedback. Now, I know that I say this every episode and really it's because it's true. You're really going to love this birth story episode with Meg. Such a great story. You're going to enjoy it. Now, before we get into the episode, I have a favor to ask. Do me a favor and share this podcast with a friend. Share it in your communities, in your networks. I'm on a mission to reach and serve as many pregnant folks as I can, and I would love your help doing that. So share the podcast, share it on Instagram, tag me there. I'm Dr. Nicole Rankins. I would so, so, so love your help in reaching and serving more pregnant folks and helping them to have the beautiful birth that they deserve. All right, let's get into the episode with Meg. Good morning. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you share your story about your VBAC. Good morning. I'm excited as well. All right. So why don't you start off by telling us a bit about yourself and your family? My name is Meg and me and my husband and my two kids live in a suburb outside of Boston, Massachusetts. We are a foster family and so we've cared for a few other kids as well. So at the time of my second pregnancy, I was also caring for an eight-year-old girl. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, that's very admirable that you do that. That takes a lot of work and heart and that's just a wonderful thing that you do. So that's, that's lovely. It's a joy. So yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about your second birth today, which was a VBAC. And I guess first let's talk a little bit about what your first, maybe your first pregnancy and what made you decide for your second one that you wanted to have a VBAC. I pretty much instantly knew I wanted a VBAC as okay. soon as in the first birth, it found, okay. I found out that I would need to have a cesarean. Okay. Um, I'd been in my first pregnancy educating myself and getting a little bit excited about mm-hmm. the experience of birth. Um, I was kind of viewing it as a rite of passage that mm-hmm. many women you know, have this experience throughout mm-hmm. time and history. Sure. Um, and then at 34 weeks, found out my daughter was breech okay. after a midwife incorrectly thought at the previous appointment that baby was head down. Okay. Uh, okay. No, that was the butt, not the head. <laughs> gotcha. So. Gotcha. Baby was breech. It was a little late to um, do much to correct it, although uh-huh. I did try some spinning babies moves, mm-hmm. hand sands in the pool, and two external cephalic versions. And two. Both of those? Yes. <laughs> okay. That's a lot because it's not, it's painful. I mean, it can be uncomfortable. One was, I don't remember, maybe 37 or 38 weeks, and uh-huh. one was on the day on the due date in the operating room Uh, with a spinal okay um and i knew i would either have a successful ecv or my baby would be born that day gotcha okay um they weren't successful, so we went ahead with the cesarean, and it was a beautiful birth. I think back very fondly of that moment of mm-hmm. meeting my daughter. Mm-hmm. However, I was still a little disappointed of not having the experience, and so I knew I would have wanted to try a VBAC or gotcha. to get pregnant again. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's not that your first birth was traumatic or difficult. It's just that she decided she wasn't going to turn. Yes, and she's <laughs> still stubborn. <laughs> it's so funny how they are in the beginning is how they are. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> yes, yes. All righty. So you knew you wanted to go for a VBAC. When you got pregnant with your second child, is your second child a girl or boy? A boy. A boy. Okay. With when you got pregnant with your son, when did you bring up VBAC with your doctor? Well, I brought it up at the six week postpartum visit after my daughter. Okay. That was how. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. You were like, <laughs> I'm gonna make sure that people know that this is what I want next time. Okay. <laughs> and I had already built a trusting relationship with my midwife, and uh-huh. um, I trusted what she was going to say. So I right. said, "Give me your honest." opinion, where Uh would you send me to have the best chance of a VBAC? Okay. And she affirmed that I should stay at the same hospital where I'd had my daughter um, because she felt like she and her colleagues, she knew how pro VBAC they were. Uh The hospital itself had an 80% success rate for VBAC and even higher Mm -hmm. in the midwife track. Uh And um, so she just encouraged me whenever the time came to stay there. She did kind of give me the nugget of 
why don't you wait 18 months before mm-hmm. you were to try to mm-hmm. boost your success rates as right. much as possible. Right, right. Okay, so you were very clear and started the steps right away of trying to figure out next time around, how do how can I have a, a vaginal birth? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm impressed that you had the clarity for your six-week checkup with a newborn to, to be thinking that far ahead. I think it was coming from a little bit of disappointment. Okay. A nine months of getting excited, like I'd said. I hadn't thought mm-hmm. about birth before I got pregnant the first time around, but there's this whole world out there where you can hear other women's stories and podcasts and mm-hmm. um, just learn through evidence-based birth is a great resource as sure. well as your podcast were mm-hmm. my two kind of favorite places to just um, sit and listen and kind of dream. And, and yeah, I did desire yeah. to have that experience. And you don't always get what you want. Birth sure. is completely out of our hands. Mm-hmm. We're not we can't control it, which is what makes it exciting and mm-hmm. so beautiful. But also, I just really wanted to experience um, the whole labor process. I, I did have a little bit of trouble after the cesarean birth, um, kind of coming to terms that I didn't go into labor and mm-hmm. I didn't have the same experience that other women had. I mm-hmm. um, felt a little bit inadequate, mm-hmm. um, a little bit like I felt like I couldn't call it a birth. Right. I had delivered, my baby was delivered, right. but I didn't feel like I had birthed my child. Right. Um, and I know now that's, that's not true sure. for anyone here listening who has had a cesarean birth. It is birth is birth. You brought your child into this world and their sacrifices, whether it's through the vaginal canal or through the abdomen, motherhood is mm-hmm. so many sacrifices yes. Um, yes. regardless. But I, I did have to kind of come to terms with some of the disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just brought up so many great (laughs) points right there. (laughs) Um, It's definitely still birth. And then there's also this, even though when things go well, there can still be some disappointment uh, that things didn't go exactly how you anticipated. And that's totally normal. Did you just kind of work through things on your own or did you um, seek any additional help or anything like that? I kind of stopped following all the birth podcasts after my first daughter was born. I was like, okay, I don't want to hear any more mm-hmm. of that. And just, yep. you know, went into motherhood and in, enjoyed all of the things that came about. Um, and then I got pregnant a second time, which ended in a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And then a third pregnancy, which ended up being my son. And okay. once I was pregnant again, I was like, okay, I really need to brush off my resources right. and get right. back into the education world. And so started to think a little bit more about the VBAC. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually in the middle of a hypnobirthing class mm. that some of my, that where I started to realize that I did have a little bit of trauma because it really was a beautiful experience. Sure. I loved meeting my daughter and didn't have a lot of complaints of the birth itself. Sure. Um, but in the hypnobirthing class, the instructor was kind of walking us through a visualization exercise mm-hmm. uh, where we were supposed to close her eyes and kind of visualize what she was describing. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't related to birth at all, but something she was describing just brought this visceral image to my mind of a memory of me laying there in the operating table, mm-hmm. feeling so vulnerable and powerless mm-hmm. as doctors were doing something to me mm-hmm. rather than me being the one doing the birthing. Um, And I started to cry in in that moment. And then I was like, oh, wow, I I didn't think I did. But I do have a little bit of fear or trauma from the cesarean birth itself that I want to work through because nothing's promised. I would want to go for a VBEC, but I didn't know if it would end in a vaginal birth. So let's let's think about how I feel about the cesarean birth. And for me, processing through talking with my husband and even Mm -hmm. the instructor was enough Mm -hmm. for me to be able to recognize that was then, this is now. For someone else, it might mean needing to go to more a professional, um, but I didn't think I needed that level. I was able to kind of face that fear and and, and process through it Mm -hmm. um, and and come to terms with what had happened to me then. But now, hoping for feeling a little bit more in control. I recognize that that was going to be important to me, Mm -hmm. uh, not feeling vulnerable. And so something that I even talked through with my midwife was the birthing position itself. Okay. um, Because I knew that was going to be a way where I wasn't going to feel a little bit more in control. Sure. 
Sure. The on your back feet and stirrups mm-hmm. to me, in my opinion, feels mm-hmm. vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's, it maybe reminded me of that same thing in this cesarean. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was thinking, I for me, I thought that hands and knees was going to be something that would help me feel powerful. Gotcha. gotcha. And so we even practiced that. Like, what would this look like? Right. If right. I'm on my hands and knees and right. baby comes out right here, how does baby get to my how to my to my chest? And right. we actually talked it through in one of my prenatal appointments. Gotcha. Gotcha. I love that. So you were you were really intentional about controlling all of the things that you could control. Hoping to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then what was your pregnancy and prenatal care like? So you saw a midwife for your pregnancy. This is the same midwife mm-hmm. who had um, been with me through the two pregnancies and the miscarriage. So I had built a level of trust with her. Uh-huh. I um, knew that she was open to all of my questions, right. like nothing was too much. Right. She would sit and explain the reasons behind hospital policies, mm-hmm. not just this is what you must do, right. but here's why a VBAC candidate has to have an IV, or here's why we're really biased against inductions, or we really want to not induce you um, with a VBAC. And uh, yeah, we just talked through at every prenatal appointment, there'd be kind of a different topic that we would um, go through. And there were no problems in the pregnancy. Okay, good. Now, was was she bringing these topics up or were you coming to her and bringing up the topics? It was me. She would always ask, what's on your mind? And Mm -hmm. I would have something new. Gotcha. Expecting parents who are looking for great nursery decor, this message is for you. As you prepare for the beautiful journey ahead, let Home Threads be your partner in creating a serene nest for your growing family. At HomeThreads.com, explore a collection designed for comfort and style during this special time. From cozy nursery essentials to soothing rocking chairs, Home Threads has everything to create the perfect home for your little one and always at the best value. If you like unique items, then you definitely need to check out Home Threads. We got a silver picture frame from Home Threads that is absolutely beautiful. It's one of those timeless classic items that will last for years to come and it fits in any space in your home. Be sure to visit homethreads.com forward slash Dr. Nicole today and receive a code for 15% off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. So then where did you find your information to ask these questions? (laughs) As I mentioned, your podcast, Mm -hmm. as well as your birth preparation course, Mm -hmm. um, helped me think of the topics. And I'd already done a lot of this the first pregnancy. I knew what were typical procedures for this hospital, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to know how they would be different for a VBAC candidate. Right. Like I mentioned, the IV, for example, sure. or the induction, not being able to use cervical ripening medication uh-huh. if I did be induced. Um, I also asked about the birthing tub. There's one birthing tub in the hospital, um, but I was told that as a VBAC candidate, I could use it for labor, but not for delivery. But as you'll hear later, that ended up not being true. Okay. (laughs) So then what were some things that you wanted for your birth other than having trying for a vaginal birth? Yeah, that was the number one goal. Mm -hmm. And I I wasn't trying to be too difficult. Like if I could achieve a VBAC, no matter how it happened, I would have been very pleased. Gotcha. Um, Gotcha. But a secondary goal would be that I would hope for as few interventions as possible. I would hope for unmedicated. Um, So I was looking into some um, other ideas for comfort measures. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So then, and I guess going back to your prenatal care, so you saw the same midwife who was part for all of your visits, but she was part of a bigger practice. Yes. Who in the same hospital. Okay. And did you know that she was, was she guaranteed to be there for your birth? She was not. Okay. Um, they did like a meet the midwives experience where uh-huh. I at least saw faces. Sure. Um, but that was something that I was hoping for because uh-huh. there were a couple of midwives. You know, it always is like this. You don't really jive with all of them. Mm-hmm. So you're like, just let it not be those right. two. But right. anyone else, like, I can't wait to see them. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. And then did you meet any of the physicians in the practice at all? Not during prenatal care. Okay. Only 
with the cesarean birth of my first daughter and then one checked in on me during the labor and delivery process. Okay. 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 So then was there anything that you were afraid of or, or worried about for this birth? I was worried baby would be breech again. Mm -hmm. I asked for the midwives to check me with an ultrasound every appointment, 28 weeks and beyond. Like, let's not make the same mistake. (laughs) Yeah, I already mentioned I was a little concerned about the VBAC itself. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of scary terminologies, like it's Mm -hmm. VBAC success rates versus Mm -hmm. failure. Mm -hmm. You're a candidate Mm -hmm. for a VBAC. It's Mm -hmm. attempting a VBAC, Mm -hmm. that language just isn't used for a first-time birthing mom. Mm -hmm. And then even a uterine rupture Mm -hmm. sounds pretty terrifying. I'd rather, you know, not (laughs) rupture. Right, right, right. So I I did want to face those facts and know exactly what the risks were. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't this general feeling of fear Mm -hmm. that was going to manipulate me into making decisions I didn't want to make, but I wanted to know the risks themselves. Sure. And so I put several podcasts on a queue. I think you have, you cover VBAC pretty Mm -hmm. thoroughly in your podcast. Evidence-Based Birth has a long one. And then there were several other interviews, VBAC link, VBAC facts that I just kind of put all in a row. And I didn't listen to until I was in a long car ride where I knew I would have time. And me and my husband listened to them all and paused along the way, talking it out and, and processing through the emotions they made me feel because Uh I'm not going to lie. It is kind of hard to listen to when, when you're in that position and and just fearing the worst case scenario. But it did help to like put things in perspective Mm -hmm. and recognize how low statistics really are. And yeah, just think, okay, even if it happened, this is what it might look like. Right. And the risks of XYZ are so low. Right. There's also risks of having a second cesarean. So just kind of weighing the pros and cons mm-hmm. and feeling like I can make an informed decision. Gotcha. Gotcha. I love that. So a lot of people, I think, get concerned or that it's a ton of overwhelming information. Like, yes. were you spending like all of your time looking at things or was it just kind of like, you know, you were doing a little bit here, a little bit there? How were you approaching it? Yeah. And everyone has a different personality. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'm speaking to the person who is like me because, you know, they're type A listening to all of the things. Raise my hand. That's me. (laughs) I mean, I did. I signed up for a lot of classes. Uh I I kind of pampered myself. I was like, do the prenatal yoga and the hypnobirthing class and the Pilates class that focuses on the pelvic core. And Uh yes, every time I'm cleaning in the kitchen, I'm probably listening to a different podcast on birth. Right. Um, But but I wanted to do that. Sure. Like if anyone was in a place where they, you know, weren't wanting to, then don't do it. Right, right. Um, but right. I, I obviously recommend you go into birth with a bit of education so that you can advocate for things. Even later in my birth process, I had midwives uh kind of pressuring me to get Pitocin when I knew that that would increase the risk of a uterine rupture. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, let, let's talk this out. And I was able to advocate for what I wanted. Right. And um, because I had had a bit of education that mm-hmm. you're just not going to get when you're in the middle of contractions. 100%. 100%. Okay. So then what was your labor and birth like? Uh, labor came surprisingly two weeks early. Okay. I had convinced myself I would be past uh, my due date. Uh-huh. <laughs> but of course and not. Your said, nah, that's not how it's going to go. <laughs> we were not prepared. Our right. hospital bags were not packed. Right. My uh, mother was not in town. And um, so we had to rely on some backup care for uh-huh. my daughter, as uh-huh. well as our foster daughter who right. needed a specific placement for her. And um, so when I, my water broke okay. two, two weeks early. Uh-huh. And so the, in the morning on a Saturday, so that whole day we were rushing around the house right. and I was wrapping up last minute things for right. my job right. and packing the bags. And yeah, I, of course I didn't go into labor uh-huh. because my mind was on overdrive. Sure. I think our, our bodies do respond mm-hmm. to that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So it was not until Saturday night when we finally got our children squared away and we checked in with the hospital to uh-huh. confirm that it was amniotic fluid. Uh-huh. But they sent me home for the night to see if I went into labor naturally. Oh, okay. So your water broke Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. 
And then you say, and it, I assumed it looked like clear fluid and there were no issues or anything like that. Correct. And then you, you stayed at home. You're like, let me get all the things together. You actually went to the hospital and they sent you back home. I probably advocated for that. Uh-huh. I, you know, I said, let me go back home. I, right. It's nighttime now. Like, right. let me try to get sleep. Right. I'm not in labor yet. And we know that we prefer to not induce me. Uh-huh. And so, you know, let's give this some time. Sure. And I, I, in my mind, like 48 hours was mm-hmm. kind of when they really wanted to mm-hmm. make sure things were going along. But mm-hmm. I know the 24-hour rule. So by 24 hours, which would have been Sunday morning, mm-hmm. was when they'd really want me in um, labor. Mm-hmm. But come Sunday morning, I had had a few contractions throughout the night, but mm-hmm. honestly, not that much. Okay, um, They were still pretty spaced apart, but right. obviously they had asked me to come back into the hospital by sure. around the 24-hour mark. Uh-huh. I took my sweet time. Mm-hmm. I got there Sunday morning <laughs> right. and was feeling a little discouraged, but not too discouraged, sure. just hoping that my body would kick it into gear. Right. Um, I got set up because I'd already done triage the night before mm-hmm. and I'd met the nurse who was going to be there Sunday morning uh-huh. and she, she took a liking to us okay. and she gave us the nicest room nice. <laughs> with the birthing tub, right. even though I figured I would just labor in that at some point. Right. I asked to stay in my clothes instead uh-huh. of my, instead of the hospital gown, uh-huh. I set up my lights and dimmed the lights nice. and tried to make it a nice environment. Sure. Because I would have preferred to have labored at home right. and said, here I am in very early labor right. in the hospital. So right. we might as well make the best of this sure. situation. Sure, sure. And, you know, enjoy my hotel stay. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Because you are paying for it. So yes. somebody's paying for it. Yes. <laughs> so then what what happened? Did you just hang out or what happened to kind of get your labor going? Contractions were there, but very mild mm-hmm. and, and spaced between. Um, I'm easily able to have conversation. Mm-hmm. And I started practicing some of my breathing techniques mm-hmm. during contractions, um, but then was pretty comfortable when they were not there. I got okay. continuous fetal monitoring. Uh-huh. which was required as a VBAC candidate, my IV in place. I'm sitting on a ball. Things did start to pick up. I, I started to get a little bit more back pain. Mm-hmm. So I used a lot of my heating pad. I would, I would actually want to sit straight up. Right. Uh, my husband would try a little counter pressure, but it didn't really help that much. So things were getting a little more uncomfortable. Okay. I had several people coming in saying, when should we start the Pitocin? You know, we'd really like to to start with that right. because of the time. That's right. the only concern, right? Right. right. Um, so that I didn't have an infection. So we're weighing the risks of an infection mm-hmm. versus the success of a VBAC. Mm-hmm. And I'm feeling very strongly that I want to let my bot give my body some time sure. and see what can happen. Sure. Um, but the midwives were feeling strongly that they'd like to start with me with Pitocin. Mm-hmm. Um, so they actually called in the OB uh-huh. um, who conferenced with me, and the OB checked the what is it called when you you can see the contractions. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And she said, you know, your contractions are actually increasing. And I, I think we could give it a couple more hours to see what happens. Okay. So I appreciated that OB right. being willing to do what I had asked. Right. We were not doing any cervical exams. Uh-huh. So I didn't know right. any how far it was in the process. Sure. And was that intention? Was that intentional? To try to avoid infection. Yeah. 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 So I assumed I was pretty early in the process. Mm-hmm. You know, we were keeping in tabs with my doula, who mm-hmm. I had hired the second time around okay. to try to help me uh-huh. um, achieve the VBAC. Uh-huh. And she was like, yeah, let me know how it goes. You know, it sounds like you're really early. I won't come yet. Right. Um, looking back now, I would have asked her to come sooner. Sure. But I was, you know, trying to be respectful of her time mm-hmm. and saying, okay, we're doing good now. You can come later. But things did just kind of start to pick up, like I said, and got a little bit more painful. I'm not sure exactly the timing around lunchtime. Uh The OB came back in and said, um, oh, right before that, I actually got in a pretty zen state Uh that I appreciate my hypnobirthing class for, where I was just kind of sitting there for probably an hour, just focusing on surrendering to the contractions Mm -hmm. instead of fighting them. Mm -hmm. And I would say that was an hour of painless labor. My eyes were closed. I was listening to my favorite music and I would just like literally 
focus on surrendering. Like right. I said, that was my word. Yes. And and that was a cool experience. Yeah. Um, and then I got up because I was like, oh, what time is it? I better go to the bathroom right. because I had heard you're supposed to pee every hour or so to try to help the process. So then when I got out of the Zen state, that back pain came back. And I was okay. like, okay. I think during that process, my body probably was ramping up right. um, and doing things, even right. though it, it didn't technically look like it because sure. the contractions were still spaced apart. And um, so when the OB came back in, she said, okay, things have slowed down. Let's give you the Pitocin now. Okay. And But maybe they gave me two drops and maybe that was what I needed to, uh-huh. you know, kick me into gear. There's sure. a reason why interventions are sometimes helpful. Right, right. So right. after those two drops, it was a couple of hours later that my baby was born. So that's all that I really needed to get me pretty far along. I kept feeling low pressure, like uh-huh. I needed to poop. So I would spend a lot of time on the toilet laboring. Right. right. Um, nothing my husband was doing was helping. <laughs> so he was like, I'm gonna call the doula. <laughs> right. <laughs> And did she, did she come? So she came as soon as he sent the SOS call, she came and kind of assessed the state I was in, which is that I was feeling it. I probably hit a wall at this point because I was thinking, why don't you get me in the tub? Because I have to change something at this point. There's a lot of pressure. Um, I was thinking, what have I done trying to do this unmedicated? I don't judge anyone who gets an epidural because this is... Like I was hitting my wall. Hey, so you made it this far in the episode and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favor to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me, and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up, and that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially, if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the all about pregnancy and birth community. Now back to the show. So did the contractions then get more intense with the Pitocin? Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Was, I don't, you know, was it, it, it all the just chicken sorta, or the egg? Yeah, it all just sort of started picking up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is what you want, yeah. right? Yeah. You got to have yeah. it pick up yeah. and you got to have yeah, baby be born. Yeah, you do. You do. So then were you thinking, I, I like I'm going to get the epidural or give me something or where were you in your mind space? I was thinking, give me that bathtub because okay. that will be my epidural. Like get gotcha. me in there. Okay. And this doula, one of the reasons I chose her is that she works in this hospital a lot uh-huh. as a doula. Uh-huh. And so she is very familiar with it and knows the midwives and the OBs well. Uh-huh. And those relationships are really important. Sure. As you'll find out later. Sure. But so she knew exactly what to do. She asked the midwife and she gets the tub set up and, um, gets the water started and you can tell the midwives like trust the doula as well. Uh-huh. They're like, Oh, will mm-hmm. you do this? Will you do that? Sure. So she helps me get into the tub and uh-huh. it, uh, because I had the IV and the continuous monitor was waterproof. Okay. Um, but we did have to like wrap up my arm sure. um, and I was trying to keep it out of the water as much as possible. Right. Right. Um, I got in and I still just felt like this intense pressure. And I'm sorry, had you been checked at all? You still hadn't been checked? No check. Okay. Still hadn't been checked. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Even though you were saying you were feeling pressure, they still... 
Well, they, you know how it is. Nurses aren't really there. You're kind of uh-huh. laboring by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It was when the doula came in that I then shared with her, yeah, I'm feeling this pressure. Baby's low. Um, I, I've been sitting on the toilet a lot. She kind of assessed the state where I was at. And she was like, oh, she's further along than Meg thinks she is. Like, I still think I'm kind of early in right, the process, right, which right. is why I was feeling a little overwhelmed. Like, how much worse is this going to get sure. if I'm still early? Right. But my doula recognized, especially when I was saying, like, honestly, I, I feel like I have to push and I don't think I can stop myself from pushing. Right. That's when she's like, we need to check you. She ran out and got the midwife and brought the midwife in. Okay. And, but at this point, were you were, were you in the tub? Yes. Okay. Okay. So then what, what happened after that? The midwife didn't even have, she was like, put on a glove to do the check. The glove broke. Get another <laughs> glove. <laughs> just, just, I got to get like, in here. Ah. I'm literally like, you have to tell me. I, you know, like I feel like pushing right now. And if obviously if I'm not ready to push, I need to hold back this feeling. Right, right. So she checks me and baby's head's right there. Okay. I mean, you can feel the hair like she's like. (laughs) He's he's coming. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Okay. So I'm in the tub and of course I would have loved a water birth. You hear all these stories of women. It sounds so pleasant. Right. Uh, I'm a swimmer. I swam through my pregnancy. So Uh the water is just special to me. But I'd been told you can't give birth in the tub. So um, I look up at the nurse. I'm a rule follower. I'm like, am I allowed to stay in the tub or do I need to get out? Because I just feel like pushing right now. And the midwife was um, kind of, uh, what's it called? Like she didn't, she wasn't on duty that often. Maybe Uh she was like a part-time midwife. Okay. Okay. So you didn't know her? Nope. Okay. Okay. And she was not that familiar with all the policies. So uh-huh. she turned to the nurse who, you know, is on my side because uh-huh. the nurse really liked me right. and said, is it a contraindication? Will you check right. the policies on right. the computer? Right. And the nurse looked at me <laughs> and looked at the bed where we'd have to get out of the tub and all the way over there in order to push this baby. Right. And she said, nope, not a contraindication. <laughs> Yeah, we're just going to go for it. Yeah. But I actually think it wasn't a conjuring. I'm having trouble discerning exactly what happened Uh in this moment. Uh But later I am told it's not a contraindication. I think I'd been told something kind of incorrectly. It's maybe just not really written in stone because not that many VBAC candidates end up in the tub ready to deliver. Right, 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 right. So, okay. uh, The nurse was basically like, we got this. Let's let's have a baby. Right. Right. So okay. there's several other nurses came in. There's a midwife plus my doula, uh-huh. who is also a home birth midwife. Oh, so she's okay. experienced uh-huh. as well. Uh-huh. Um, and we're like, they're all discussing like, okay, how are we going to do this? You know, I'm on my hands and knees pushing, right. but let's keep your butt down here. And, we, you know, uh, we've got the cord over here with the IV. And right. my husband had wanted to be the baby catcher. Uh-huh. But as he's hearing all of these uh, professionals discussing how to do it, he was like, I'm not qualified for this. I will let you do this. <laughs> and he takes over the camera. Gotcha. 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 And so how long did you push? Probably 10 minutes. I had practiced kind of a a J breathing technique Uh where Uh you're really engaging your core. And I also had bent my knees inward Uh to try to get that external rotation, Uh Uh like to open up my, I I don't know. I was, it was just like that moment is vivid in my mind of like, all right, this is the time let's put into you some of the things I've learned. And, but then it was also very instinctual, right? Like you're just going with, Mm -hmm. um, with, your your gut and your feeling as you feel you need to push and so now you're going to do that and then it's going to pass and you're going to rest for a minute and my doula was so helpful like I'm kind of vocalizing and she's like yes let it out but also keep your energy like she's just helping me through it and it was so motivating to be able to feel baby's head Uh and I'm I feel fortunate that 10 minutes later baby's born Uh and they kind of push me back and put baby on my chest and I have this moment on video that my husband was recording and I just keep re-watching it and it's just so amazing that I was hoping for the VBAC and 
above and beyond right. what I'd even wanted, right? right? My goals were just to have a baby vaginally. Right. And then I ended up with a water birth, which right. would have been my greatest dream, but right. I didn't even anticipate sure. being able to have that. Sure. It just sure. felt like such an undeserved blessing from above that oh. I'd had the birth I didn't want. And then in this case, mm-hmm. I was able to have everything I wanted and more. Oh, that is so beautiful. That is so, so beautiful. So then once he was born, then did they just keep you in the tub for a bit or did they get you over to the bed or like, how did that work? It wasn't very long. I was in the tub Uh and sometimes water, water birth babies come into the world a little bit shocked. Uh And so he didn't originally cry. So they're like rubbing him and helping him Mm -hmm. and then we find out he's a boy. We turn him over. And oh, it was a surprise? Yes. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> um, uh, probably pretty quickly, within a couple of minutes, they help me up to get me to the bed, which is where my placenta came out gotcha. once I was on the bed okay. later. Okay, okay. Um, and then did you need any stitches or anything at all? No. What are they called? Um <laughs> On the outside, the uh-huh. labial, some a couple of labial labial gotcha. tears, gotcha. not not first, second, or third degree gotcha. perennial tears. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Perfect, perfect. So then, just I mean, it sounds like you were just. It really sounds magical, really. It was. I I hate hate to say that because I know that not every experience is magical, but I just feel so lucky to have had Mm. this experience. I forgot to mention that something I was really hoping for was that skin-to-skin time. Yeah. Because in the operating room, you're Mm -hmm. lying flat on the table. Mm -hmm. It is pretty. I did have some skin-to-skin time. It's hard, much as I could. It's weird. It's just... Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not the same. You're flat. You're mm-hmm. a bit uncomfortable mm-hmm. as they're doing whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't able to breastfeed. My midwife did try in the operating table, but right. just didn't work. And yeah. by the time baby finally came back to me after all the things, she was asleep. Yeah. So we didn't breastfeed. Um, and I that was on my birth preferences sheet. I talked about the midwives and any nurse who came in um to be with me mm-hmm. during labor was, hey, uh, it's really important that I have uninterrupted skin-to-skin time, assuming nothing medical, um, that people don't even ask me for my baby. Right. I, I asked for 90 minutes. Right. And that's essentially what I got. Baby okay. was with me the whole time, and they just delayed the pediatrician to come in until later. Okay. Like, let it, right? It's not that hard. We don't. <laughs> it's not, no. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Oh, that's just lovely. So then what was the postpartum period like for you? I do think I was riding on the high of that Mm. birth for quite a while. Uh I mean, I did, I felt very empowered, like other random nurses or midwives would come in during my postpartum stay at the hospital Uh to meet the accidental VBAC water birth is what they were calling me. That's nice. That's nice. Hopefully it did spark some conversation sure. among them. Yeah, like absolutely. To, you know, I was discouraged against uh-huh. a water birth when uh-huh. really there's no evidence right. that being a VBAC candidate would be any riskier for a right. water birth than right. any other woman. Right. That's true. That is very true. So so I had that high at the beginning, like things went really well with breastfeeding, whereas they were harder for my daughter. Okay. So you know, I, I just feel like I had this burst of energy and adrenaline, uh-huh. but then eventually some baby blues and the weariness set in. Okay. My son did have, we reached a pretty low point, probably two to three months old, uh-huh. where he just would not stay asleep to save his life. Oh. Uh, I think just some silent reflux he was okay. having trouble with. And okay. so some reflux medication helped. Yeah, we definitely went through the ringer for a while, but okay. fortunately at five months old, he is out of that, I do think the medication helped as well as a little sleep training. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, sleep training is controversial. Some people say it's great. Some people say, you know, you don't have to do it. It sounds like it worked out great for you. I was a zombie prior to it. So yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. So then as we wrap up then, what, what would be your, 
one fa- like one big piece of advice that you would give to anyone who is thinking that they want a VBAC? Yes, I was going to say that's who I want to speak to. Mm-hmm. Any woman who thinks you might want a VBAC, I know that one of the biggest things is probably just this fear and these doubts that are set in, in your mind. And um, so my biggest advice would just be to take care of your mental health. And mm-hmm. if you think you've had some trauma from that you probably have. You mm. probably have some level right. of a little right. bit of trauma from right. the cesarean. So how can you process through that? And I got really good advice from someone that you don't want to spend nine months of your pregnancy worrying about and dwelling on the birth that you don't want. Mm-hmm. You want to spend nine months thinking about the birth that you do want. Mm. So yeah, take just visualize and, and just Think positive thoughts about the yes. birth that you do want. Plan for that birth right. instead of being worried um, about the birth that you don't want. Yes. Fear is the enemy of birth. So how can we push past our fear um, and yeah, and, and face it full on and, and get the help you need for any traumas? But we really want to be able to go into birth without fear. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Meg, thank you so much for agreeing to come on and share your story. This is going to be so, so helpful. I know folks are going to enjoy it. Well, thank you for having me on. I love to share my story. Wasn't that a great episode? I'm so happy for Meg that she got to have her beautiful, successful VBAC. Now, you know, after every episode, when I have a guest on, I do something called Dr. Nicole's Notes, which are my top takeaways from the conversation. Here are my Dr. Nicole's Notes from my conversation with Meg. The first one is that you can have a great birth and still be disappointed. Meg's cesarean went well, but she was still upset about not having a vaginal birth. And that is okay. That is normal. Sometimes in our society, we send messages or people say, you know, well, you, why aren't you just happy that you, you know, have a healthy baby and that you're healthy? Like you should just be happy with that. That is completely like reductive and dismissive of how you feel. It's okay. And it's normal if you don't necessarily feel great about your experience, even though it went well. Now, if it's a, it's a problem, if the way you feel about your experience is detracting from your ability to enjoy your baby and to bond with your baby, in that case, you may need to get some help processing your experience, but just being unhappy about your experience, that's okay. That's normal. It doesn't mean that you don't love your baby. It doesn't mean you're not grateful and appreciative that you have a healthy baby. It just means that things didn't go your way and you're acknowledging being a human being who had an experience that didn't go exactly as you anticipated. Okay, number two is it is so lovely and really possible to have your OB or midwife, the hospital staff, and a doula work together in order to help you have your best birth experience. This is how our system really should be, that we should all work together to center the person giving birth and support them in helping them have the best birth experience for them by bringing our own set of expertises. So, you know, your OB brings their expertise, your labor nurse brings her expertise, your doula brings her expertise, and we center you and work together to help people have that great birth. It really is possible. It does not happen as often as it should, and it definitely should happen more often, but it's a wonderful thing to see. It's something that is possible and something that I believe we can work towards and something you can try and seek out. Uh, You can talk to your doctor about working with the doula, the hospital staff about working with the doula, and you can make sure you have a doula who works well in that system. And when you're trying to find a doula, I have an episode uh, that came out not too long ago, episode 218, where I go through a step-by-step process of helping you figure out like how to hire a doula, questions you can ask, all of that good, great stuff. It's a really great episode. I've gotten a lot of feedback that people enjoy it. It's episode 218. You can find that at drnicolerankins.com forward slash episode 218. But again, it's just really wonderful when all of us can work together and that really is possible. You just may have to do a little bit of work in order to find that. And then the third thing I'm going to say is to echo Meg's comment that fear is the enemy of birth. And that is so true. It is so, so true. I am not being like exaggerating when I can say 
when I say that being uh, very scared about birth can really stop your labor or slow your labor. The most extreme instance that I've seen with that is that once there was a patient, she just was like, I mean, she was just terrified being in the hospital to give birth and like nothing was working to help her labor progress, like nothing at all. I can guarantee you, we can dump buckets of Pitocin. We can bathe you in Pitocin. If you are super duper scared, it can stop your labor. We at our core are mammals and mammals in nature. If they are in a fearful situation, when they go into labor, their labor will stop. Like that's a normal reaction. So fear really is the enemy of birth. Now, the way to combat that fear is to educate yourself. Of course, you're doing that inside this podcast, and I'm uh, so glad that you're here doing that to help educate yourself and combat that fear. Outside of the podcast, you definitely need to do some childbirth education. I've said this before, and will continue to say it. It's a hill I will die on that every person having a baby, especially in the U.S., needs to do some sort of childbirth education. I have an option, the birth preparation course that's online. You can check it out at drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. However, there are other options out there. You just have to find something that works best for you. Do childbirth education, do childbirth education, do childbirth education. That will help combat the fear that is the enemy of birth. Okay, so there you have it. Again, do me a solid, share this podcast with a friend. I would so appreciate your help spreading the word about the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to me right now. And let me know what you think about the podcast. Shoot me a DM on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Nicole Rankins. I'd love to hear from you there. So that's it for this episode. Do come on back next week and remember that you deserve a beautiful pregnancy and birth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.